are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am super excited Pumped. about this episode, man. <laughs> Mike, what's You've up? been How talking about you? this one for a while. I have. Yeah. I, I've been trying to make this one happen for a little while, just so you guys know. I'm gonna go, actually, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guests because we'll bring them into our little banter a little okay. bit. Maybe talk a little football and some of the things that are going on. But you guys, I want to introduce to you today on the show, we have Darren Cook, co-founder and co-CEO of Infinite Energy, a multi-state energy provider and a company that I admire so greatly. Darren, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for having me. uh, Darren and I were talking about pulling out the scotch during halftime of the show. (laughs) I mean, it's like, (laughs) it's gonna be great. So we're super excited to have you. I don't know, I mean, you don't know this. I don't know if you know this. But you know our like blue ticket system yeah. that we do with with our team members. Yeah. So we have this blue ticket system, and throughout the co- course of the year, if they live up to the core values or do something that really stands out to us, like we'll reward them with this blue ticket. They bring the blue ticket to the holiday party. They can put that into like a bin at that time where we draw and we give away like some really cool prize. Cool. It's been one time we gave yeah, a scooter of their choice. <laughs> we gave a scooter cash of their prize. choice. Yeah, cash prizes. Now, I mean, it's not like fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> like like I've heard that infinite energy does, but like, but like five. Uh, but yeah, five. I mean we've had like four thousand. I mean like that's not sad. We're like a little scooter dealership there, and I just yeah. wanna like no, no, right. you guys. Uh, that, that's why that's you got to start good. somewhere, right? Yes, it's uh, but we did. I mean, the scooter. We did the scooter of your choice, and James picked that. Uh, eight, I mean, it was like eight thousand yeah. dollars Vespa that yeah, one time. For sure. Wow, so, yeah, yeah that's so great. it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, but it was uh, a thing that I kind of molded based off what you guys do at Infinite Energy during your holiday party that I've heard about multiple times. And it's, I mean, I've just, our culture has pulled a lot from y'all's culture as an example. So it's just, just really, really cool to be kind of sitting here and having the opportunity to talk with you today. So so thanks again, man. Thanks for coming uh, in. Thank you. I, I felt that, you know, the reason why we do that and probably uh, why you guys do it um, is that we want to have a real impact on somebody's life. So if you just give, you know, $50, $100, you know, just for, uh, you know, a holiday gift. Um, that doesn't really do much for somebody. But if somebody has the opportunity to win $50,000 or even 10000 or 5000 that can have some long-term impact on somebody's life and could possibly change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so sure. That's, sure. that's the whole idea. And it sounds like you guys are along that path. And it's not just, you know, the dollar amount. It's more about helping them uh, get to the next level, maybe purchasing a house, which has happened before, or mm. paying off a student loan, which has happened before. So you you actually have a long-term impact on someone's life, and um, that's what it's all about, in our opinion. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, I know before we like really get wrapped into the the show here, I have to kind of like just go over here to Michael for about oh, the, yeah. L- the LSU loss. Because <laughs> you guys, all right, so real quick, because it's October, what's today's date? Today's October today's 15th. 15th. It's yeah. on the paper. I mean, yeah. like put you it know. on the paper. It's October 15th. This is going out November 4th. So by the time this airs, we would have played South Carolina, who and lost to Georgia, which is- who, who beat Georgia. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. sorry. South Carolina, who beat Georgia. At home, at, at Georgia's home. Georgia's yeah. home. 
And so, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if that's good. That's good for us, right? From an SEC standpoint. Yeah. I mean, especially after the LSU loss, right. it evens things up. Right, um, right, right. You know, a right. lot of people will say that uh, they'd like Georgia to have the laps against us. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it gets a little too far-fetched. But, but yeah, our game, look, it's disappointing to lose any time. But for, for me, it's like that's as good of a loss as you can have. You go into one of the, the most, like, rabid environments on all of college football and go into the fourth court, have a lead. Right. And you know, it just it just didn't end up shaking our way. Like we had some injuries to to overcome. It was a really good performance. I think that everyone would have been shocked. If you would have told me we would have scored twenty eight points, I would have been like, we have a good chance to win. Right. If you would have told me we gave up forty two points, I said no no way. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. So it it was a good enough game. I think we, we played still well. Have, it was really the yeah. interception that like I mean, I felt like that was the turning point. Yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point, it, you have to take more chances to win the game, and they end up going the other way. So. Darren, are you a big football person? I'm not as big as I once was, only because I don't have the time for it. <laughs> yeah. so I'll, I'll catch the game. I, I can't even imagine. But I do catch the Gator game when I can, uh, and I saw saw most of the uh, uh, the LSU game, and it was disappointing, of course, but... Yeah. but um, yeah. Well, hopefully do? by They're the time team. Yeah. we did it, we did it, we did well. So yeah, hopefully by the time this airs, we would have. We beat, still have so much in front of us. South I mean, Carolina, <laughs> beat Georgia, and hopefully yeah. this goes out and we're awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, every everything is still right in front of them. Yeah. At the end of the day, everything is still right in front of them. If yeah. they take care of business, they can go as far as they want to. Yeah. So. there you go. But I am uh, obviously a Gator. I went to UF and actually. Uh, Graduated from Gainesville High School. So, okay. Yeah. So you're so a hurricane indicator. Are you, are you an ACR? Like, have you been like? No, no. Okay. Uh, my dad was military, but when he retired, he um, uh, got, was a professor at the University of Florida. So okay. we moved here when I was like 15 or 16. So. All right. Cool. Well, I want to get into your story in just a second, but before I do, I really want to uh, to say thank you to our sponsors. You guys, Opus Coffee has just been dedicated to us these last several episodes. Um, you know, you guys, we can't do this without the sponsors. They just really help fund all of this. And it, it was great because I know that you know Brad Gamble over at the Selling oh, yeah. Factory. And he like he reached out to me or like told me because I I'd saw him earlier this week and he said, he's like, yo, I just want to let you know that I took our leadership team over to Opus Coffee, their new location, nice. and uh, had our leadership meeting there. And he was like, it was all because of the podcast. I was like, dude, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. So, so that was really, really cool. I keep waiting um, for you to take me there. We'll schedule yeah. one of our meetings so we can go. No, that's not going to happen. Okay. No, well, I guess I'll check it you out on my own. You have a lot of work to do around here. <laughs> yeah, somehow I keep having meetings with you and they're not at Opus Coffee, so I don't understand. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. We'll okay. definitely make that happen. So I just want to say, Tim and Brett Larson, thank you so much for your support. You guys go check out their new location. It's at 800 Southwest 2nd Avenue and it's absolutely beautiful and it's a great, great meeting spot. So if you have your business meetings and et cetera, like go there and check them out. So now I'm ready to get into the meat of this story. I'm so excited for this. So Darren, what we like to do is start off with the origin story. I know you've probably told it a million times. <laughs> and you, I, do you ever get sick of telling the story? Uh, no, actually, because it always excites me, okay. quite frankly, because uh, when you start a business and, and something cool happens, I don't know, it's just like an old favorite stories. So, okay. No. I, I've like been speaking like four or five times in the last, you know, in the last month over at UF and it's always like, tell your story and then kind of get into the like, questions and stuff, which I love to do. My favorite part is actually Q and a, when I want to go and do it, speaking at, with students and stuff. Um, but I, I found myself trying to make my story 
shorter because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like it's just it seems like it's getting longer and longer I mean I keep adding more years and starting new businesses and doing all these things I'm like all right I gotta figure out how to like hit the bullet points yeah <laughs> so anyway let's start with your story tell us I mean I'm super excited just to hear about <laughs> I mean I don't even know like the thought the thought of planting a seed that turns into a 500 plus million dollar revenue company just is mind-blowing to me to me too by the way <laughs> Yeah, because so, you, know, like, you don't know you're going to get Yeah, there, the right? fact that you <laughs> planted that seed and it's grown into this huge thing with this huge impact. I mean, it's just incredible. So please tell us your story. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, well, um, it all started uh, back when I was hired by GRU to be a natural gas buyer. Um, the industry had just restructured uh, where... Um, uh, basically deregulated where you wouldn't, uh, you uh, GRU was just used to buying from one source, a pipeline basically, and then they restructured it such that uh, you could buy your own gas from anywhere and then transport it on the pipeline. And so it was a whole new a whole new way of doing things, so to speak, much like when the telephone's deregulated. So, um, <clears throat> So that's uh, what I was hired to do. I didn't know anything. I had to read. I had to read tariffs. I had to read, you know, which are books like two or three hundred pages um, on the rules on how to how to uh, transport natural gas. And then, uh, so I did that. And then we figured out how to do that. And we figured it out how to do it better than uh, anyone else, um, at least in Florida. And my business partner, Rich, came on a couple months after I was hired to do the financial accounting uh, of, of that new way of buying gas. And um, I do remember specifically one deal I did for GRU that was for um, we, we, uh, a unit of natural gas is called a decatherm, and that's basically the energy that natural gas has. Anyway, it was 30,000 decatherms a day. It saved um, about 15 to 20 cents a decatherm. So you're, you're talking around $4,500 a day for 20 years, talking you know, almost $20 million over that 20 years. And I got a pretty good review that year, but I earned a 1% raise. And so um, Rich and I were traveling and we said, man, we could do this ourselves. And um, next thing you know, we were back home writing our business plan. Uh, We'd play racquetball first, which, by the way, um, I found out later that studies show that 25 minutes of aerobic exercise increases your IQ up to 10 points. Um, So we were doing the right thing. We didn't even know that. (laughs) We were all sweaty, of course, (laughs) but we're writing the business plan, you know. Uh, And uh, uh, three months later, we had the business plan done. Then we got rejection after rejection for the next two years uh, until finally someone gave us uh, some credit support. And uh, we were off and running in 1994 um, at that point. Uh, We were profitable within three months. And when I say profitable, I mean, not only did we pay back uh, that month, we we made money, but we made enough money to pay back all the startup money that we had already gotten. So um, that's how we started, man. And I gotta tell you, I was very fortunate to run across Rich because uh, I trust him completely and, and vice versa. Um, and uh, we couldn't have done it without each other. We both have uh, different strengths and weaknesses. I'm more of a technical numbers kind of guy, and he's a relationship uh, relationship guy. So, uh, so he was able to bring in um, possible um, 
customers, I was able to find arbitrage opportunities. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's how we started, man. Okay, so, I mean, did you guys, when you were getting this thing off the ground, did you hold on to your jobs at GRU? No, no, not at all, not at all. You guys like, walk in, throw the paper down, you know what, we're just going to go leave and start our own. That's pretty much, that's once once we got the credit backing, well, we were very successful at GRU in saving a lot of money, uh, or making a lot of money for them. So it wasn't like we were going out into the unknown. We were doing it already. Um, we felt we, if we had the right credit backing, um, we could do it again. But we didn't have a lot of confidence from uh, the folks at GRU, for, and they were very nice about it. They Like one guy said to me, um, hey, if it doesn't work out, we'll still hold your job six months from now. If, you, you know, if it's within a year or whatever, you can, you can come back. Uh, did they know uh, what you were doing? <laughs> yeah, I guess they sort of did. We we weren't known as Infinite then, by the way. We were known as uh, C&B Olympic. Olympic was our credit backer. C&B was for Cook and Blazer, which is our last names, of course. And so the industry had a name for us in the beginning. Uh, oddly enough, they called us Crash and Burn. I don't know why. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We, oh, no. There was no confidence. And that's one of the things, as an entrepreneur yourself, yeah. you know, no, people, they can be nice about it, but they don't think you're going to succeed. They mm-hmm. always think you're going to fail. And you just have to overcome overcome that negativity and just have uh, a belief in persistence, man. That's that's what got us through. And uh, I mean, with two years of rejection, I'm telling you, man, it took a lot to get there to even start the business. But once we were started, um, I call it coiling the spring. We had a lot of potential energy and we turned it kinetic. We just went right to it. So is that like two years of rejection on, you know, for the majority of the deals? Because you said you're profitable in three months. So Well, we were, but no, when I say two years, I'm talking about finding a a backer so that we could start the business. We couldn't start the business until we got credit backer because we were literally, we did $13 million, I think, our first uh, eight months or the first fiscal year, so to speak. Oh, I'm sorry, say that one more time? We did $13 million of revenue in our first fiscal year. So when you're doing that much, you can't, I, I, my credit card can't pay that much. So I've got to have a credit backer that says, hey, these guys will pay their bills. And that's what we needed, so. Was yeah. that was that the biggest reason for all those rejections was just that that exchange or was it the viability of the business? The viability, or? I mean, th- think about it. Okay, this is 25 years ago. So I'm a young 28, I'm weighing like 130. 130 pounds at that time. Looked like a kid, like playing just out of college, like no other, playing though. racquetball. Rich, Rich is, is you know, he's, uh, he's, you know, his first, uh, his first calling was to try to be a uh, an actor. You know, he was a male model at one point, and then he did his financial accounting. So, you know, he's getting gigs doing that on occasion. You know, even while we started the business. But so we're just, uh, you know, we're really young guys, and it's like, uh, you know, well, who are these guys? Um, so it took us a while to to find somebody, but then. Um, uh, we found we found somebody out in Texas uh, who believed in us, um, and uh, they had a they had a pipeline that went into Florida Gas Transmission, which is the pipeline that services Florida. So they thought that they would have uh, some access to sell natural gas if they hooked up with us, and sure enough, uh, that's that's how we started, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. So at thirteen, at thirteen mil in the first fiscal year, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how quickly did you guys grow in terms of like team members and that kind of thing? Because now, I mean, today, which is 
I mean, you're 25 years in at this point. That's correct. Like, happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it um, happened in May, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> yep. 25-year anniversary. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have over 300 people now? That's correct, 300 okay. people. So, I mean, how many people did you have in that first year? Uh, we had, when Rich and I started, it was me, him, and a temp help. And okay. it stayed, I think we hired someone full-time that first year, got rid of the temp help and just hired somebody full-time. So we had either three, after after one year, we had four people. Okay. <laughs> so. I mean, at what point did it like, <laughs> blow up I mean because well, were you guys like act, I mean you were the active sellers and stuff at that time right like yeah. you and Rich yeah me and Rich I mean, I mean where did the transition happen where you go from like all right uh, sell the you know the salesman to CEOs well um, I, let, let me uh, say it was funny because we actually had uh, several business cards so maybe we we weren't just three or four because I had three myself and Rich also had three what, with different titles with on different them? titles on them <laughs> yep because you don't if you're buying or selling gas you don't want to be the president of the company right it's like you'd save that for like credit backers or whatever okay so um, perception so it, is a funny thing it right? is isn't it like I remember someone would call and say uh, can I talk to somebody in accounting and Rich would answer the phone and he'd say Hold on one second, and then he'd look around. And <laughs> yeah, I totally done that. Say, Accounting department, Rich Blazer, can I help you? It's like, you know, it's so. Uh, That's hilarious. Uh, so, but then uh, I would say, really, um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because when you have three or four people, you can, we didn't even have we we didn't title ourselves CEO, but you see all the startups saying CEO of some, and they have three people or two people, right? Uh, but um, but I would say when we went into Retail, which you know we were wholesaler at that time, but when we started going into retail, we grew from say twenty-five to thirty people to um, three hundred and seventy over the next three or four years after we did that. Wow! Yeah, so it's like it was a big growth curve um, at that point. I would say it. Um, you know, when I mentor people, I tell people it's. Uh, you know, I'm just like you, only I've got battle scars. I've got experience, which means I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned from them. And when you're growing that quickly, you, you just can't help but learn uh, from your, you know, you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna learn from them, and you're gonna do better. So I think that's what really got, I would say at the end of that, I started with Rich also, um, I would say we were more of a CEO at that point. What things were you doing to like, control that growth, I guess, in a way. I mean, I just think going from, you know, I don't know, even like 30, 50, 100 employees to like 370. <laughs> like, I mean, like I'm kind, I kind of strange, like, I know it would be exciting, but I strangely fear it because I wouldn't want to mess that up. Yep. You know what I mean? So like, what was, were, were there any processes? Were there any things that you guys were doing? Was there any mentorship? Was there anything like, what things did you guys do to make sure that you were able to expand? Well, correctly? one of the things is, is um, you have to be able to let go. That's a biggie. Um, one of the things I love doing was trading natural gas. That's 
you know, I love to trade. Uh, when I was a little boy, I mean, I, I bought my first stock when I was uh, nine years old. <laughs> it's like, um, so that's my passion, right? Uh, but um, I had to give it up. If I want, you know, as you get bigger, uh, I can't just always have my hand in one department. I've got to actually lead. I've got to set direction. We've got to motivate. We've got to do all those things. And that doesn't include trading for me and it doesn't include accounting for Rich. Um, we just had to, you know, set that aside and we had to find another love. And I, fortunately, the other love I have is helping people grow, helping, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite things to do is take something from in my head and make it happen. But now I'm teaching people how to do that themselves and how to be leaders and how to, you know, do that. So it's sort of like, uh, I think you have to have like a biofeedback mechanism that sort of um, amplifies yeah. what you are internally to the outside world and to the, and to the company in general. Oh, and that's sure. what culture is all about, I think, right? So I think that's how you do it. It was sloppy, it wasn't pretty. It was pretty ugly, actually, when you're growing that quickly, because sometimes you know you don't you don't have the time necessarily to um, choose nece- uh, the the best person when you're growing that quickly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need somebody to answer the phone, right? It's like um, so it wasn't it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. I'm saying, but I thought you even say that we're like going through that problem right now. Like we got like well because you know we set up like the autom like just an automated thing to help people get to where they mm-hmm. need to go whether it's sales service yep. or whatever and then I'm kind of like man like I hate this customers hate it they just want somebody to answer the phone and like <laughs> I'm like we just need to hire a full time person to hire to yep. answer the phone and like well, it'll, it'll be more customer centric and so now we're kind of back paddling it, yeah. it is interesting because once we got to 370, that was our peak in employees. We're now at about 310 to 320. Okay. But we had, we've actually doing so much more business than what we did then. But um, we were able to, once we had stability, you know, from that fast growth mode, we were able to, okay, now we can really keep the best people. We can take the time to, you know, um, to, to I say weed out those that right. are fitting in and, mm-hmm. and don't, don't share the same values that we do. And, absolutely. And so now I think our team is, with less people, we're doing so much more. It's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, what's it like now, looking back over 25 years and seeing that seed that you planted like turn into this? I mean, like, what's the, I guess, what's the most rewarding moment out of all of it? Actually, the most rewarding moment for me is seeing somebody who I hired as a 21, 22-year-old become a leader, become an executive over the next 15 to 20 years. I mean, that is really cool, just seeing the growth of somebody. Um, that's really rewarding. It's also really rewarding to be an innovator and to and to do things that no one else is doing in your industry, uh, setting the curve, um, so to speak. That's really rewarding to me, also. Um, Was there? But I don't. I don't look at. You know, it's funny because I never look at what we are now versus then. I look at what we can become. That's what I'm always focused on, and I'm sure you're very similar. What are we going to be in five years? What are we going to be in ten? You know, what's the next um, big thing? You know, what are we trying to do? So. Yeah. That's that's really my focus. So I don't like to you know say oh you did a good because I don't think we're done. You not you haven't done a good job until you, you know I say okay I'm I'm a little old now I might as well retire and that's 
far away from now. So it's like, um, so I'm not ready to rest. I'm, I'm the same way. <laughs> I, I don't even, you know, we talk about like even stopping to celebrate the wins. Like I have a hard time stopping to celebrate the wins because like I'm just on to the next goal, just so focused on the future. Yep. Um, so, I mean, y'all's nickname was Crash and Burn. Uh, did you like, did you ever <laughs> see and beak? <laughs> Uh, you know, I and you know it's fun. <laughs> side side note, you know, uh, with with um, Rich and you know Rich Blazer and Mitch Glazer doing the text. <laughs> like I just Blazer and Glazer. I, I'm just like, dude, that is so epic. Like the fact that y'all's names like rhyme like that it sounds like a law firm. I'm like Glazer and Blazer. Like let's go. Uh, so okay, back on subject. <laughs> um, I mean, was there ever a time? Was there ever a time in those twenty five years where you had like the legitimate worry? Okay, like oh my gosh, you know, we got to fix this, or we are going to crash and burn. Like, was there ever like that failure that was kind of looming? They we we failed, but we've never failed big, and that's one of the things that I talk about. Um, I'll ask a interview question sometimes if you had a a 10% chance of doubling your profit, say from $5 million to $10 million next year, and say uh, um, a 5% chance that yeah, you might make a little money or lose a little money, uh, excuse me, a 10, uh, 85, uh, 90, 85% chance of doubling your money, excuse me, I reverse that, uh, and a 5% you know, make a little money, or a 10% chance of going out of business, if you, if you do this deal, would you take that deal? And I'm looking for, you know, especially if you're a company of like 300 people, when you got nothing to lose, sure, you do it. But when you have 300 folks, it's like that 10%, 10% is way high. too high because mm. it's just like poker getting the bat. You know, you have pocket aces and so on for you two with two, three. It's like if you keep making those all in bets, even if the odds are four, you're going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we never try to, that's one of the lessons we learned fairly early on is don't bet at all. Um, and when you do that, you always have something in reserve to fight another another day. But there were a lot of unforeseen circumstances, you know, fates, so to speak, that threw at you that um, could have put us out of business. For instance, the first big scare was um, uh, when Enron went out of business, which uh, if you're old enough to remember, was a huge natural gas and electricity company, but completely unethical. And it caused a lot of problems in our industry. And so finding credit backers was very difficult at that time. Uh, because of that, uh, you know, the industry was going through a big problem. The banking crisis could have been another possibility. Um, think about, uh, we were banking at SunTrust, but what if we were banking at one of these banks that went out? Right. And yet, you know, when we're putting through millions of dollars, you know, every month, and I, I get a guarantee of $200,000 or whatever if they went out and, you know, I mean, due to no fault of our own, we could have been out of business, right? It's like, so um, so we've, we've been very fortunate. Fortunately, SunTrust didn't go out of business. Uh, and fortunately, the government uh, stepped in and, and unfortunately, well, save the, the banks that were too big to fail. And I wish, you know, capitalism could have worked and they could have failed, but if they, if they did fail, it would have brought a lot of people like ourselves down with them that really had nothing to do with what was going on in that in that crisis. So there were several points along the way that were um, I can call I call it a conspiracy of circumstances that could have put us out of business, but mm-hmm. fortunately um, they didn't. I mean, were there any times where <clears throat> the you know you had a, a decision to make as a CEO, but the outcome 
wasn't going to be really great either way. Yep. Uh, yeah. Remember, I said we had our business partner Olympic. Um, we were CNB. They were Olympic. They sold their company uh, uh, in 1997. Um, or excuse me, 96. To, uh, excuse me, 96 uh, to somebody who was unethical. Okay. So how do we get out of yeah. that arrangement? Uh, and we let it ride for a year, despite some of the signs that they were completely unethical, but they left us alone, we were doing our thing. But then we found out they were taking money from our lockbox because they had control of it, borrowing it without our knowledge, putting it back so we didn't see that they had borrowed it. Wow. Um, and so we had to extricate ourselves from that position. Um, fortunately, we had a contract where we could um, we, we had a put call provision where we could make an offer to buy their half and they either had to accept it or buy it from us at that same price. And, um, uh, you know, I actually teach this as a case study at UF. I always ask, which would you do? Would you offer low or offer high for that other half? And we knew they were going to go under within the next four or five months, we felt, because um, we, we'd gotten some calls from the industry that said they owed, owed a lot of money. Um, so uh, we went low. We, we said, look, we have our intellectual property, which is me and Rich's brains. So we were still a smaller company at that point. Um, let's let them just buy it cheap. Uh, they need a, you know, Sun Tzu in The Art of War says, never surround your enemy, leave them a way out. And the reason why is when you leave them way out, they run and you can pick them off as they run. Well, um, if we didn't leave them a way out, it would have been a lot of lawsuits going back and forth, but that would have put us out of business. That's another possibility where we're going to have mm. business, you know. Um, yeah. And so um, we left them a way out. They bought us cheaply. Uh, then we changed our name to Infinite because they kept the C and B name, even though it was Cook and Blazer and they weren't Cook and Blazer, but still. <laughs> so that's when we changed our name and we used our parent company, which owned the, the half of the joint venture, changed that to Infinite. And that's how we um, became Infinite. And they were, the main company uh, that they were Olympic went out of business as we expected three or four months later. Um, they, uh, the new company that they had CNB didn't last but a year, but, um, the cool thing is it was actually one of the best things that happened to us because we went from 50% ownership to hundred percent ownership and we just basically restarted yeah. um, in 1997 with zero customers again and got another credit backer, but we had a good reputation, but that was, yeah, uh, so you, and you were three years in, right? Yeah, so we, three, that was 1997. Three years in, even mm -hmm. more experience. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah. Had to start all over. Yep. So the story sounds strangely familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it, like reflects a lot, like on my story. Uh, uh, that's interesting. But but the thing is, it's like uh, you know I, I tell people it sounds like we were really smart to do what we did, but we knew probably within the first week how unethical they were. Yeah. But they left us alone. Like I said, we were doing our own thing. And we should have started making preparations to leave immediately. And that I know, I learned from experience. It's sure. like if you, you do never, an unethical partner, even an unethical employee can bring bring you down or they're steal from you or whatever. So it's just a matter of when. So you have to make that decision as soon as you know, start preparing, hey, I need to, I need to get out, so. Yeah, dang. <clears throat> All right, let me shift gears a little bit. I've always been super curious as to, has there been any strategy behind the co-CEO thing? 
like you and Rich being co-CEOs, like why, was there any, didn't, I mean, why not CEO, COO, or why not like just- Well, just, yeah, if Rich, if Rich were here, he'll tell you the story, okay, so, uh, when we started the business, our lawyer asked you, who's going to be, at that time, it wasn't CEO and co-CEO, or co-CEOs or anything. Who's going to be president? Who's going to be vice president? Because we have to put it down on the state form. Yeah. So uh, we said, I don't know. We didn't even think about it. And then he said, well, who's older? And I said, <laughs> well, I'm two years and two days older than Rich. So I got to be president and he got to be vice president. And we had thought, well, we'll just switch it out every three or four years or whatever. Who cares? And... Um, Rich, if he were here, would say it never got switched back. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. but 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 at some point, uh, like I said, when we actually were CEOs, uh, you know, in practice, we both took on a co-CEO role. Rich and I are very um, different people, so there's certain departments that he would run better than I would run, so to speak. Uh, so he took those, I took the other parts, and. Um, that's why we were co-CEO. Uh, um, and uh, like I said, we have a very similar value chain. And some people will always ask, you haven't asked it yet, well, how do you decide if you, uh, if you, uh, if how do you decide if you both disagree on something, right? Yeah. That's, that's an interesting For way, sure. right? Is that, so, um, <clears throat> so, you know, co-CEOs, I mean, who's gonna win, right, in that regard? Well, we don't look at it as a win-lose. What we look at is, um, if uh, let's just say I want to go into electricity and he didn't, um, who who win, wins that argument? Uh, I explain why we want to go into electricity. Here's here's the you know here are all the cases. If he says no, the no vote gets two votes. That's how we decide things because and then what that does for me is I don't I haven't given him enough information. I have to study it more. I have to look at it more. Um, and then I can bring it back to them. And if I'm not willing to do that, then it probably wasn't a good idea anyway, mm -hmm. right? So that's how we decide things. So the co-CEOs, now Rich is basically, um, we'll talk about it later, but uh, heading up um, heading up trying to get this electricity choice going in Florida. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I'm basically um, you know, running the company on a day-to-day uh, basis and he's doing that because that's his strength is uh, relationships, uh, politics, all that stuff. So, um, so it's working out that way too. So have you ever been completely locked up in like opposal? We have. Well, we've, we've, yeah, we've had disagreements, but as I said, in the end, we don't get mad at each other because, you know, if someone says no, they, I trust that even if he can't, um, communicate why, that he has some sort of intuition. He has he has different strengths than I do, and maybe he's seeing or feeling something that I'm not seeing or feeling, because I'm looking at it perhaps more just on an analytical side. Maybe he's seeing it's a distraction or whatever. Um, so we've never really gotten into huge arguments because once we come into this, you know, back and forth. Um, you know, it stops. It's like okay, I'll, I'll try to get you some more information to overcome your concern. Uh, or um, or uh, if I don't, then we just move on. There's, I, you know, I tell people there's lifetime opportunities happen every day. It's just a matter if you're prepared and able to execute mm. on those things. Ideas are, uh, you know, a dime a dozen. It's what you do with them that counts. So it's like, um, so there's going to be something else that comes along. It's like this isn't going to be the one thing that sets us, you know, uh, the, apart. We're going to be, we're going to have other ideas and other things we can do. So it's just a matter of which ones we choose to do. Right. So is, is there anything that you guys do as partners to like really keep your relationship healthy? 
I mean, do you guys ever do like a little break breakaway session? Or I mean, like I, I don't know. I I was in a partnership in the very early days of my business, and it it failed after a couple of years. And ultimately, I know that we were just had different visions for the company. We weren't on the same page. So like what can business partners do to ensure that they are always on the same page, heading the same direction and keeping their relationship extremely healthy? We communicate a lot, man. It's like, uh, we're, there's no secrets. There's no, you know, it's like I'm not ever trying to hide anything from him and vice versa. Um, like I said, uh, in the end it comes down to, do you have the same values and do you trust the other person? If you trust the other person, you don't have to worry about anything, man. It's like you don't—they don't have devious agendas, right? Right. So, and that's one of the things I teach when I'm mentoring. It's like um, there's a book I recommend, The Science of Trust. Uh, so it's like, how do you get trust and give trust? And uh, fortunately, we've had that for 25 years. I think if you look at you know rock bands, most of them flame out within a couple of years, right? It's because in the end, they they don't trust each other they have different agendas or different visions um, but the ones that stay like the Rolling Stones or those others obviously they have a cohesive trust foundation and everyone knows their part and Rich and I know what our parts are in the business and we don't have envy oh he's, get, he's getting to do this or I'm getting to do that right. no we have the company is what's important to us and we both are trying to do what's best for the company yeah. <laughs> guys obviously know what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> Um, We've been very fortunate. Like yeah. I said, I mean, there, the luck plays a big part. I ran across Rich. I didn't, you know, know all this stuff about ferreting out values and all that back when I was 20. I think I was 28 when we started the company and we started yeah. the business plan when I was 26. So it's like, you know, it, it was just seemed to work well and do well together. It was meant so to was, be, man. Yeah, it's just fortunate. Yeah. So that's awesome. I hear that you're an avid chess player. I am. I, I, I don't do, uh, when I was in college, I was, uh, I played a lot of tournament chess. Um, I got up to an expert level, but, um, but now I just do it for fun. Speed chess all the time. And then I teach, uh, teach chess once a month at the company. Yeah. Yeah. One of your team members, Marsh Sutherland, shout out Marsh. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he told me I should play you like on the show and like, I put a chess oh. board right here. I was like, I was like the longest episode ever. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, like watching be. paint dry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he'd probably have you beat pretty fast. Really well, fast. we could do it. I, I, like I don't play chess. I, I, you know, for inexperienced players, I'll I'll do um, like I'll have five minutes to uh, one minute to finish the game, and they'll have either five or ten, depending on how experienced they are. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, is there is there do you pull it into business world at all? Like, do oh, you yeah. look at business as like like the strategy. Like, is it a big game of chess to you? Or it is actually. I call uh, I call myself. There's many types of entrepreneurs. I call myself an incremental entrepreneur, which means. Um, I have a good solid position. Every move that I make, I'm trying to give myself more probabilities. And it's always built off of a position of strength. Some some entrepreneurs go into 10 different things and that's fine. Uh, I call those more of the serial entrepreneurs. Whereas for me, it's like, here's a good position. Now, why am I gonna go into electricity if I'm only natural gas? Well, I'm very strong. This is why we did it, by the way. I'm very strong in billing apartment complexes and we have apartment complexes that are begging us to go into electricity in Texas. So I already have a strength to build on. I can make a billing system better than anybody else's uh, for, for billing them. I just gotta learn this other thing, electricity. So that's why we went into electricity, right? We built on a strength we already had. 
um, to do it, as opposed to like, hey, I'm, I'm infinite energy, let's start a clothing line. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? Yeah. So everything we do is built on a position we already have, and if we're gonna go make a move, I want more probabilities that can come out of that direction we're going. So if I, I don't wanna go to a, a hey, we, even if it's on a strength, I wanna go this way, but it only locks us into one way forever. I, I don't want that. I want something that's gonna provide a lot more probabilities. So interesting. Do you and Rich ever play chess together? I, actually, we have, but more as uh, I, t- I, I taught him um, a, f- uh, a few strategies. He got a lot okay. better. Uh, he's able to beat most people now, um, so it's, that's pretty cool. But you can destroy him. <laughs> well, it would be like me playing tennis against Rich. He would destroy me in tennis. Okay, now, racquetball okay. was another story. It's like we were about, uh, I was crushing him at the beginning, and, but he's such an athlete at the end, he was beating me. So it was like, um, it's sort of interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, hey, a partnership. I just want to make sure, like, still a little bit of internal competition is good. Yeah, we don't do that enough. <laughs> we, we really don't. You, you and I need to compete more? Yeah, probably. Uh, I feel I just, I just don't want to play Monopoly against you, but I'll do anything else. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about it. I need to make sure that I can. He wants to make sure he can win. He can win. <laughs> that's really, yeah, that's really it. Rich and I like to make bets every once in a while, okay. and they're uh, they're always a dollar, you know. And and sometimes the bet is uh, is is fun for me because I'll make him do all this work, and even if he wins, it doesn't matter because he's got to do all this research and all this. Stuff. <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. But he made a bet once to me. It's like he's giving me a point spread on a football game, right? And I'm like, I want three. And a half and he's saying no uh i can give you three no i need my three and a half and i said finally you know this is for a dollar against somebody um i made the bet for three <laughs> and he said okay i won and i said what he said the game was played last night and <laughs> three points oh, no. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no oh my gosh so it's like <laughs> it's a dollar right <laughs> yeah like, but it's like, just, that dollar is worth so much it's such bragging i mean he, he's lived that picture guys who built this 500 million plus revenue business betting a dollar like i love it it's absolutely hilarious well let's uh, let's spin let's where do spin. you want to go yeah so i mean like literally these are these are the episodes where i could spend three hours and just get everything answered you know because i just have so many questions um but but let's talk about gainesville a little bit because I think what's super interesting to me is that, I mean, you guys have this incredible company that's right here in Gainesville, and uh, I think sometimes people are kind of wondering why. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I, <laughs> you know, I, like, I mean, like, you, you, none of your service is in Gainesville. That's correct, we have zero customers in Gainesville. <laughs> zero customers, you have zero customers in Gainesville. That's correct. Whereas, like, 99% of our customers are in Gainesville, right? right? So like you have zero, zero customers in Gainesville. I mean, why, why keep the business in Gainesville? Um, mainly uh, it was because, well, in the beginning it was because we were a wholesaler, right? So we had, uh, our biggest customers were like folks like um, Jacksonville Electric Authority, uh, Tallahassee, uh, Tampa, uh, uh, Tico, which is in Tampa. Florida Power and Light, which is a little further down south. Um, so those were our big customers, and Gainesville's right in the center. So if we needed to make road trip, it was you know anything was mostly within two two and a half hours. Now, why did we stay to Gainesville after you know we became much bigger? Um, 
we had uh, basically we could select from um, employees because uh, of the University of Florida such great talent that you know most of them were moving away but we would we would be able to get the pick of the litter and we definitely have a huge University of Florida contingent um, that works for uh, infinite energy and that's awesome. and it's and it's helped us grow because really what we do um, requires a lot of intellectual capital so to speak and uh, we need really smart people we need driven people and you can't beat the University of Florida what can I say yeah, <laughs> they may awesome. have lost to LSU but man I think <laughs> right. our, our students from a brain power standpoint would uh, beat them upside the head so. what's, the key, what's the key to recruiting those people to stay though I mean is it <clears throat> is it compensation from a salary standpoint I mean we talked about the, the culture stuff like I find it's hard because you get a lot of people that that graduate and they want to get out like mm-hmm. they, they want to go chase bigger cities and stuff like that. So, so how do you recruit them to stay? How do we, uh, well, you're right. There are people and, and still over 95, 98% do leave and that's fine. But think about um, those that still you 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 got 35 to 40,000 students, right? If 2% stay, you're talking about 800 possible folks, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, so, um, uh, you know, it's so you get you still get a lot of possibilities, but we do some things that others didn't like. Uh, I think it was like four years ago, we started paying a minimum salary even for startup jobs of $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. We get, I mean, you know, and especially in a tough job market, um, uh, we get folks that um, from the University of Florida graduate and start in our customer care center answering phones. But guess what? They're in the company now and they have a chance to grow. And if the culture's good, um, if they have skills, they can move up. So it's like, um, I think that's how you do it. It's like, make sure you take care of the people, make sure that, um, you know, it's a two-way street. Uh, you know, our culture is very uh, good, good in that way. We're very diverse also. Um, we have uh, all sorts of different uh, folks that, uh, from different cultures that come in. But uh, as I said, we hire for values more than um, anything else. So you can have completely different personalities, different culture, whatever, uh, from where you started. But if you have the same, same values that we're looking for, man, you're gonna fit in. Yeah, And it's nice, I mean, you also have to give purpose. If you give purpose, most people um, will stay with a company if they feel that what they're doing is of value, right? Um, we're doing big things. And each person hopefully knows their part in it. Um, that's the key, right? And if mm-hmm. they know their part in it, having purpose, decent pay, even if it's nece- not necessarily the, the job you'd hope for to start with, that, that brings a lot to the table and that, that'll keep you there. Yeah. You talked about having like 370 employees and now being at this more or less sweet spot. You're, you're bringing these people in at, at very you know, lucrative onboarding pays and then saying if they, if they have a skill set, they can they can grow with the company. Is that is that path to promotion clearly outlined or do people, I mean, do they get stuck behind somebody? Like, Well, we give people lots of opportunities to improve themselves. For instance, um, most of our executives participate in mentoring employees. I take on myself six up to six a year. Mm. Um, it's a one year program. So that gives uh, employees access to an executive for a whole year, right? They have to apply for it. They have to, you know, answer the questions uh, that we ask on the forum that, you know, cause we, we go around Robin and start picking, you know, based on what we felt were 
top picks, you know. So we give for a um, $500 a semester, up to $500 a semester for continued education on anything you want to take. It doesn't have to be specific to our job. We feel that people that have lots of different talents bring that to the table and create different types of ideas, okay? Um, we have uh, uh, classes, uh, used to be called Financial Peace, it's called something else now, where we show you how to budget so you can pay off all your debts. Uh, so there are important. so many programs that we have that can help you improve yourself. Um, so it's not just is there a clear path, but can you get these skill sets? Mm-hmm. Um, can you be seen? Because you can have a skill set, but if you're not seen, it's also a problem, right? right. So you so you have access to an executive with some of these things that we're doing, or uh, we have lunch and learns with an executive. We have all sorts of these things where you can get exposure um, to what we feel makes somebody successful, right? Mm-hmm. So that's great. From uh, I mean, when you were talking about purpose and people staying around. Um, because of purpose, I mean, especially as you grow, right, as you get to 300 plus team members, how how are, are you able to continuously paint that vision as the co-CEOs of, you know, of an infinite energy in the future and, um, and continuously instilling that purpose in your team members? Because I, I just feel like, it, I mean, I don't know, because I don't, <laughs> I, I, I hope that I have the honor to, to employ, I know it sounds strange. A lot of people are like you want you want hundreds of team members. That sounds crazy. No, I do because I believe that I can impact their lives mm-hmm. very much the way you guys have. Um, and and so this is strictly for my own knowledge. <laughs> That's what's so great about having a podcast. You can ask whatever you want. Um, you know, but I want to know how I can c- continuously communicate that vision as as we grow. Like what things, whether it's tactics, like or, or you know. How does it trickle down okay. from the top? I got you. Um, we hold, we do several things. Number one, uh, we have, if you've been with us for six months, you get to have, a, um, we call it a new employee lunch with Rich and I. Now, sounds like just a lunch, right? But it's not. It's actually about four and a half hours long. So you earn your lunch, so to speak. So we tell our origin story. We tell the 25 years basically that takes rich and i at least two hours if we were to just go from beginning to end two and a half because every year like you said it it adds to the story but then rich and i get to know each person we ask them uh we'll usually ask them uh, hey give us a two-word description of yourself and we do it too um and then tell us what your goals are how did you hear about the company um you know uh uh, what's your hobbies? Um, so that each person has, you know, five or 10 minutes to talk about themselves as we go around. So we get to know people. Um, what f- most people don't know, it's sort of like a mini interview almost. They don't realize it perhaps, but Rich and I are getting to know you, but that's, you know, we come out impressed or, or you know, whatever, uh, based on how you answer those, uh, you know, those questions. So. That's how we do it. Then we have, um, uh, beyond that, we do once a month town halls, okay? And so, and then we have, uh, we have, a, we have uh, both a culture statement and a strategic statement. And the strategic statement are, these are our strategies, and we have basically four. One is an unparalleled customer experience. Uh, <clears throat> one is employee engagement. One is the kind of markets we wanna go into. Uh, so. We, 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 we structure our quarterly goals all based on that strategic, tr- strategic vision. 
and each department knows uh, you know if we're depending on a certain department for a goal they're on task so to speak they're on on point I should say um, and so uh, and then we either celebrate if we we hit all the we usually have two or three big goals each quarter that help us to that next level um, if we if we hit them we celebrate together and if we don't well we we talk about where where our point pain point was and, and we, we'll try to do uh, do better but having the company know we we have a pass out of our strategic vision to every employee gets one even when they just onboard that's part of the human resources uh, handout uh, we talk about it every every uh, every time we, we put it up as a slide most of the time when we're doing our, our month lease. Um, Does that strategic statement change often? No, no, no. I mean, because they're basically um, they're directions, basically, and directions don't change often. It's like sort of like um, if you're a captain of a ship and you're going to you know from Europe to South America, you're not really going to change direction that often on your way, right? Things could get in the way, obstacles, and you I may guess have to like so. often. Probably not the right word, but I mean. Can it change? It can. It can. Yes, can it can. If we went into a, a new market, okay. yes, it can. It's not. You know, it's not un- a lot. It's not like... unyielding. But generally speaking, um, I found and Rich has found that focus is what really gets a company going mm-hmm. and you say it shouldn't change too often if you go in because you never get any steam behind you it's like a locomotive at first starts out it's a lot of energy to start going but once your inertia starts going you don't want to stop the train at that right, point and go right. a different direction Not right sure. it's like so um so it shouldn't change too often is the point um so every every person knows they're part of it um you know it's like uh, because of those goals, um, and then as far as culture goes, most of the time I'll take a, a few minutes and and talk about a certain part of our culture statement and a, and a concrete example of how something was lived up to it. Um, that's awesome. So that's how we try to keep it from top down yeah. trickling down. So, but you also have to have all your executives in line with you know, what's going on and also living the culture and, and they'll trickle it down. So it's just the, the way it is. Hiring's, Easier said than done in my experience. <laughs> well, hiring is the big you know, key. It's, it's like, all about the yeah, values, it man. It's like in the end now, like I said, when you're growing on leaps and bounds, it's important to hire your leadership with the same values, but you may not have time to hire, you know, you need people in the seat, so to speak. But if you get to a point like what we've done, you can you can take that time. Yeah, I'm constantly fascinated by large organizations that do it right because I mean, we have 14 team members now, but we've had I mean 20 to 25 on average, mm. and we've definitely had our challenges with healthy culture. You know, just with that with that number. Well, 20 is a big number. I mean, once you when you're under 20, you can sort of just do things by the seat of your pants, communicate, you know, it gets around. But over 20, uh, once you hit over 20, uh, and I always say process is the devil because you know, you really don't want it when you're when you're a smaller <laughs> company, right? Um, but you have to start putting in. I call them systems instead of process. But you better you better do you know start putting in some systems once yeah. you get over twenty. So yeah. that's just the way it is, <laughs> for sure. And in the I mean, and then the macro, like we've always been, we've been one of those companies where a lot of people look to us because of our company culture, and we mm-hmm. definitely spend so much time on it and focus on it. And and, and I love our company cold, culture on the macro, but it, still, I, I I know it's it's one of those things. I was talking about this the other day in the class I was speaking to. Was you know I'm like, 
it takes so long to like to build and find the right people, build a really healthy culture, but it really doesn't take that long for it to fall apart. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. <laughs> you have a few that doesn't take, but one one poisonous person per fifteen or twenty people to really impact you. Right. Negativity, you know, it's yeah. like um, so. It's amazing how just one one person can have such huge impacts. Yeah. Especially um, when you're smaller. Mm. So I've asked this question to, you know, we've done 78 episodes and I've asked this question a lot. Thank you. (laughs) I can't believe it's been that long either. Um, This is episode 78? That's what I'm saying, right? right? Okay, Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, there's, our, our main purpose for this podcast is is to build up Gainesville, right? Like we've fallen in love with Gainesville. I've been here for 19 years, um, and you know, I the the question that I ask most of the people that come in here, you know, is what does Gainesville need in order to reach its potential? Where are we missing? Um, I think we're on our way. Actually, I think we needed um, we needed a good startup. Um, Foundation, and I think that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, and I think because of that, we can be, uh, and we're growing like a weed right now. When Rich and I started a company, there was nothing like that. Right, there wasn't even an entrepreneurial uh, degree or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but all the stuff that's coming from the University of Florida in that regard, that's coming from, um, you know, you, you have those innovation squares now downtown. I mean, I think that that's what's gonna really be the engine that drives Gainesville in the future. We're gonna have some really cool companies. Actually, we have a lot of yours, for example, but there's a ton of them. Look at Brad Gamble's. You know, Brad worked for us. I don't know right. if you know yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's the other thing, by the way, you asked me earlier what, um, what, I'm, what I'm proud of or whatever. That's the other thing. We've had like six companies come directly from Infinite that um, have over 20 people. Yeah, that's so, uh, and they're that's successful. Feel so good. It's like uh, it's amazing to me. That means that we definitely have a culture of entrepreneurship because companies are are starting because of what they've learned at Infinite. And yeah. Brad's one of those. I'm super proud of Brad, by the way. Yeah, he's doing incredible things. I saw him <clears> last night. Um, yeah. So I mean, so your answer is that we're we're on our way. I think so. I think so. It's like um, we have to get. Um, I think we have to probably get an anchor. Um, we have like like Infotech or us. We have a few that are like you know three hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred. Sharp Springs getting. I think they're getting up to three hundred. But we, besides the University of Florida, we don't have anything that's like, you know, thousands, right? I mean, other than maybe city government or, or whatever, but I'm talking about from a company standpoint. And once you get a big anchor, then you're able to get uh, middle managers. Uh, that's what Gainesville's lacking right now is, you okay. know, we have, we've had to grow most of ours. Um, and that's tough. I mean, you have to wait. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, uh, so I think that that's probably what we're lacking the most um, is that access to more seasoned people. Okay. Um, we've been able to go outside uh, uh, sometimes to get some, like in a, a few of our executives come from outside this area. 
but uh, you know, that, but most of it's been grown. Like I said, internally, that makes that makes a ton of sense because you were talking about about talent and the mm-hmm. ability to get talent right out of the University of Florida. But at the same time, like that's very young mm-hmm. talent. It's green, and so <laughs> right. and, you know. And the <clears throat> other problem that I hear about is acquiring talent. And so when I'm like, okay, when I hear somebody talk about uh, we got all this talent, and then I'm like, oh, but we need to acquire talent. What we're specifically talking about is acquiring experienced talent yep. to Gainesville. That's, that's correct. Yeah, that's I think what Gainesville is still lacking, and it's because we don't have a, a big universe of companies yet. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's why we started this podcast. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I like reflect. I hear all this stuff, and I'm reflecting on the mission of this podcast, and it's like I, I mean, th- th- that's it. Like, I want to retain our top seven talent. More of it here in Gainesville. I yep. want to build more connections between the businesses here in Gainesville. Exactly. I can't tell you how many people have sat in that chair, and everybody's like, "I never knew that company existed." It's like, what? Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, that's happened. And then the ability for this to be broadcast into for somebody else outside of Gainesville to hear it and be like that's where I want to move my company or that's where I want to bring my talent. I want to go there, you know? Uh, so, ah, it feels, it feels good hearing these things. You're like, <laughs> right. man, this is going, this is going to do it long term. So I'm excited. Yep. Um, spend a few minutes talking to us about this constitutional amendment petition form, which by the way, I got a bunch of them. Oh, filled out for you. oh thank you. I brought a few just in case. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, no. Sounds like, like you, you did we're do on, We're on our game. Because <laughs> last time I saw Rich, he gave these to me. I was like, dude, I promise you, I will get these filled out. Uh, but are these the two page ones or the one page uh, ones? I think those are the one page ones. Mm, or yes, that, they are. Very good. Okay, cool. Because they changed mean? the form. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, they changed the form and the old form is no longer, you know, uh, government as the old form is no longer valid. So okay. gotta make sure so somebody talk knows this us, is. Talk to us about what you're trying to accomplish and, and what these forms are okay. and how our listener base can help. Okay, uh, before I get too much into that, um, as I said, most companies, um, if you want to do something big, you gotta have a focus on it. And I, I brought a quote with me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it for right. this. Right, yeah, I love this quotes. Is, this is a John F. Kennedy Somebody quote. Somebody write this down. This is John F. Kennedy. Oh, I can give you the. Well, okay, okay, all right, cool. It. But uh, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they are easy, because they are, but because they are hard, because the goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. I think that encapsulates any um, any kind of entrepreneurial business. It's like you gotta go for a big thing. Uh, there's all sorts of cool things that came out of that moon project that never would have happened if we hadn't mm. done that. And so we're trying our big thing, which is this constitutional amendment to give everybody energy choice in the state of Florida. Um, basically, right now, it's all monopoly driven. E- uh, each monopoly has a service area and you have no choice. Um, I think that's un-American. I think it's, uh, you know, um, Teddy Roosevelt busted up the monopolies for a reason because they're making an exorbitant profit because they have no competition. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do. We want to um, uh, bust up the monopolies so that we can have choice. And if we do that, uh, it's been shown that um, uh, the energy choice state of Texas has saved about 20 to 30% um, on their energy bills. For Florida, that would be six to seven billion dollars a year. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Take a, take a look at your own bill, knock off 20%, is that worth saving? Yes, I think it is. But the cool thing is, is it also brings innovation. Um, because you have 
competition, just like anything else, it brings innovation. Now, for instance, in Texas, where they're completely restructured, and that's what we base this amendment on, um, 100% green product is less expensive than the cheapest power source in Florida. Hmm. You can buy 100% green. Over, they have, um, since they went, uh, they restructured their market in 2001, uh, they had approximately both Florida and um, Texas were less than 2%, maybe 1% renewable at that point. Texas has now got 24% of their power capacity is renewable. On average, they're averaging 18 to 20% of their power is made from green sources. Florida's less than five and 2% on uh, solar. So people have given the choice want to do the right thing they don't have to purchase 100 percent green they purchase 10 percent green they could do you know do their bit so to speak but what's cool is it's brought the because of this innovation it's brought the um solar prices way down it's competing with natural gas now obviously so because of the mass production et cetera, et cetera, texas is the largest green state now in the nation because of choice um we're able to give our customers in Texas uh, their meter reads whenever they want it. We we provide it once a week, so they, the bill is never a surprise to their to them. They know exactly where they're at. We have different products, like we can sell you a cheap product where if you uh, for if you if you use less than a thousand kilowatts in a month, you get a cheap price. Um, but they know where they're at, so they don't know. It's not a surprise if they go over and, and pay more. They, hey, yeah, I mean, it got hot. We had to really turn up the AC or whatever. So um, one of the things I know in Gainesville um, with our local utilities, people are surprised. Sometimes you get a 33-day read. Sometimes you get a 28-day read. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you never know what your bill's going to be until it comes, right? But so you can't plan for it. Um, so there's all sorts of cool things that you know, we can actually pay people when prices get really high to shut their power down. You know, uh, say, hey, we'll, we'll give you an incentive not to use power for these hours. Where's that happening in, in, in Florida? It's not. Right. So, so I think um, that's why we want the change. Has, has a, it would have a huge impact on both making uh, Florida a green state and you know, from uh, from you know the sun, we're the sunshine state for a reason, and also uh, it would save consumers um, you know twenty to thirty percent off their bill, which I think is well worth doing. Yeah. So, so it's a big. So what's thing. the process like for you guys in order to make this happen? Uh, we have to get seven hundred sixty-six thousand two hundred verified signatures by the end of the year. Uh, right now, if you were to go on the website for the state of Florida, we have 479,000 verified signatures. So we're less than 300,000 to go. We actually have another you know, 100,000 or so in the pipeline that hasn't been verified yet. So okay. um, we usually get about a 70% verification rate. Uh, so we're probably less, somewhere around the less than 200,000, 200,000, maybe even better than that. So um, I think we can do it, but we need your help. Thanks, thanks yeah. for your help on this. No, uh, I think course. it'd be, uh, I think it's, uh, it could have a huge, remember I said we would like to have big impacts. This would be a big impact in a positive way on our state. That's cool. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for everything that you guys do. Thank you for being leaders in Gainesville, especially. I mean, companies like mine idolize companies like yours. So I just want you guys to know that Um, I'm super grateful for one, this opportunity and the opportunity that I that I often get. I get to see Rich fairly often (laughs) out and about. So um, and, and every single time, I mean, like 
for me, it's it it's the kind of leader that I want to be. You know, like when I when I see you guys and interact with you guys, like it's it's uh, it's just a reminder that even if I build a five hundred plus million dollar revenue company that's doing business across multiple states, that you know I want to maintain the character and and the the stuff that you guys do to give back to this community. I want to make sure that I'm one of those people too, and I know that Mike does as well. So it's. Um, you know, I just want to say thank you. Well, no, thank you for this opportunity. One of the things I, I, I want to say before, as a, as a closing, is um, always remember the people that helped you get to where you're at, including all your employees. It's just, I mean, Rich and I, I mean, we may be able to set a direction, but we're not making it happen day to day. Um, they are right. uh, the person that Bob Young will always have a, uh, you know, if I have a dinner or a lunch with him, he was the one that said yes at Olympic. Um, and said, yeah, I want to put my trust in you guys and, and we think you can be successful. I'll never, uh, without him, we wouldn't have started the company. So there's so many people along the way that helped us get to where we're at. It wasn't Rich and I yeah. per se. So you've got to just remember that and, and be humble about it because so many things could have gone the other way. Sure. Uh, and we wouldn't be here. So um, so with that, that's my that's my closing because I, I think. I think that's a perfect <laughs> way to close. So just thanks again for being here. Um, you can find them. We said we can find them online. I mean, if anybody wants to connect or engage with you guys on social media, it's just at Infinite Energy on Instagram. I, I think and, so, yeah. Right? <clears throat> yep. So definitely definitely find them online, connect with them. Um, and, you know, Gainesville world, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, leave a review. If you're listening on iTunes, go right now, leave a review. Um, hit us up on social media. Michael is at, at Michael Brian D's. You got it. Right? Yep. On Instagram, I'm at Colin Austin. That's with two L's. Um, definitely, you guys send me a message. Find me on LinkedIn. Let me know what what topics you guys would like to see. Anything that we could cover for you guys, and um, and let me know just feedback. What you like, what you don't like, because you know here we are, seventy eight episodes in. This thing's been cranking. We're super grateful to all of our listeners, and uh, just look forward to bringing you many, many, many <laughs> more episodes. <laughs> so this is the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you business and individuals that make you go, whoa. 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 <laughs> we will see you later. Bye.